Chapter Three of Days with Sir Roger de Coverley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Roger Bishop. Days with Sir Roger de Coverley by Joseph Addison and Richard Steele. Chapter Three. The Picture Gallery I was this morning walking in the gallery, when Sir Roger, at the end opposite to me, and advancing towards me, said he was glad to meet me among his relations with the Coverleys, and hoped I liked the conversation of so much good company, who were as silent as myself. I knew he alluded to the pictures, and, as he is a gentleman who does not little value himself upon his ancient descent, I expected he would give me some account. We were now arrived at the upper end of the gallery, when the knight faced towards one of the pictures, and, as we stood before it, he entered into the matter, after his blunt way of saying things, as they occur to his imagination, without regular introduction, or care to preserve the appearance of a chain of thought. It is, said he, Worthwhile to consider the force of dress, and how the persons of one age differ from those of another merely by that only. One may observe also the general fashion of age has been followed by one particular set of people in another, and by them preserved from one generation to another. Thus the vast jetting coat and small bonnet which was the habit in Harry the seventh time, is kept on in the yeomen of the guard, not without a good and politic view, because they look a foot taller and a foot and a half broader. Besides that, the cap leaves the face expanded, and consequently more terrible and fitter to stand at the entrances of palaces. This predecessor of ours you see is dressed after this manner and his cheeks would it be no longer than mine were he in a hat as i am he was the last man that won a prize in the tilt yard which is now common street before whitehall you see the lance that lies there by his right foot is shivered that lance of his adversary all to pieces and buried himself Look you, sir, in this manner, at the same time, he came within the target of the gentleman who rode against him, and, taking him with incredible force before him on the pommel of his saddle, he let in that manner, rid the tournament over, and with an air that showed he did it rather to perform the rule of the lists than expose his enemy. However, it appeared he knew how to use of a victory, and with a gentle trot he marched up to a gallery where their mistresses sat, for they were rivals, and let him down with laudable courtesy and pardonable insults. I don't know, but it might be exactly where the coffee-house is now. You are to know this, my ancestor, was not only of a military genius, but also for the arts of peace, for he played on the bass and violin, 
as well as any gentleman at court you see where his vile hands by his basket built sword the action of the tilt-yard you may be sure won the fair lady who was a maid of honour and the greatest beauty of her time here she stands the next picture you see sir my great-great-great-grandmother has on the new-fashioned petticoat except that the modern is gathered at the waist my grandmother appears if she stood in a large drop as the ladies now walk as if they were in a go-cart for all this lady was bred in the court she became an excellent country wife she brought ten children and when i show you the library you shall see in her own hand allowing for the difference of the language the best receipt now in england for a hasty pudding and a white pot if you please to fall back a little because it is necessary to look at the three next pictures at one view these are three sisters she on the right hand was who is so very beautiful died a maid the next to her still handsomer had the same fate against her will this homely thing in the middle had both their portions added to her own and was stolen by a neighbouring gentleman a man of stratagem and resolution for he was poisoned three mastiffs to come at her and knocked down two dear steamers in carrying her off misfortunes in all families the theft of this wrong and so much money was no great matter to our estate but the next hair that possessed it was the soft gentleman whom you see there observe the small buttons the little boots the laces the slashes the clothes and above all the posture he is drawn in which to be sure was his own choosing you see he sits with one hand on a desk writing and looks at it as if it were another way like an easy writer or a sonneteer he was one of those that had too much wit to know how to live in the world he was a man of no justice but great good manners he ruined everybody that had anything to do with him but never said a rude thing in his life the most idolent person in the world he would sign a deed that passed away half his estate with the gloves on but would not put on his hat before a lady if it were to save his country he is said to be the first that made love by squeezing the hand he left the estate with ten thousand pounds death upon it but however by all hands i have been informed that he was every way the finest gentleman in the world that debt lay heavy on her house for one generation but it was retrieved by gift from that honest man you see there a citizen of our name but nothing at all akin to us i know sir andrew freeport had said behind my back that this man was descended from one of the ten children of the maid of honour i showed you above but it was never made out we thinks at the thing because money was wanting at that time here i saw my friend a little embarrassed and turned my face to the next portraiture sir roger went on with his account of the gallery in the following manner 
This man, pointing to him, I look at, I take to be the honour of our house. Sir Humphrey de Coverley was in his dealings as punctual as a tradesman and as generous as a gentleman. He would have thought himself as much undone by breaking his word as if it were to be followed by bankruptcy. He served his country as knight of the shire to his dying day. He found it no easy matter to maintain an integrity in his words and actions, even in that he regarded the offices which were incumbent upon him in the care of his own affairs and relations of life, and therefore dreaded, though he had great talents, to go into employments of state, where he must be exposed to the snares of ambition. Innocence of life and great ability were the distinguishing parts of his character. The latter, he had often observed, had led to the destruction of the former, and used frequently to lament that great and good had not the same signification. He was an excellent husbandman, but had resolved not to exceed such a degree of wealth. All above it he bestowed in secret bounties many years after the sum he aimed at for his own use was attained. Yet he did not slacken his industry, but to a decent old age spent the life and fortune which was scrupulous to himself in the service of his friends and neighbors. Here we were called to dinner, and Sir Roger ended the discourse of this gentleman by telling me, as we followed the servant, that this his ancestor was a brave man, and narrowly escaped being killed in the civil wars. He said, he was sent out of the field on a private message the day before the battle of Worcester. The whim of narrowly escaping by having been within a day of danger with other matters above mentioned, mixed with good sense, left me at a toss whether I was more delighted with my friend's wisdom or simplicity. End of chapter 3 Read by Elijah Fisher